Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast post-Christmas edition heading into the final two weeks, weeks 17 and 18 of the NFL season and your Cincinnati Bengals are in prime position not only to win the AFC North but perhaps make a run at the number one overall seed. To discuss it all is the one and only Jeff Butch Hobson of Bengals.com. Want to thank Jeff for joining us and uh, want to wish him a safe, I'm glad he had a safe travel back to Cincinnati after uh, an excursion, if you will, to uh, New York's JFK airport after the game on Saturday. Welcome back, Butch. Craigs, how you doing? Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're very happy, as always, to have you on. Tell us about, real quick, um, the emergency landing at JFK and the fact that everybody uh, was A-OK. How did it go? What was it like on the plane when they had to make a quick landing? Well, it wasn't, uh, it was, I wish they had a different word than emergency landing, because it right. wasn't, but, you know, when you think of that, you think of, uh, light, you know, uh, uh, parachutes and, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff, but... Uh, yeah, you know, it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit, I guess, disconcerting, but it didn't, you know, there wasn't, didn't seem to be any panic from the crew. Uh, so um, it was, uh, you know, it was more the the scariest thing was thinking that you might spend Christmas Eve in a hotel, I guess that yeah. was, that was probably the scariest thing. So, which did happen to the Buffalo Bills. So uh I thought I my 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 hats off to Jeff Brickner, the director of operations, who uh, worked his magic once again to make sure that we were uh, the cap. The true the true Santa Claus was uh, Jeffrey Brickner, so uh, he got us home for Christmas. Uh, you ever been on one of those situations before? Where the never? Nope, first time ever. Uh, the closest I came, I remember, I was uh, on a flight. I was on with a I was on a flight with a bunch of guys from actually the Boston Globe gonna go cover the calgary olympics and oh, we had to, yeah. we had to switch planes and, correct and i'll never forget it greatest line by a pilot we were stuck on a tarmac in chicago for like nine hours and the guy says oh. and the guy says look if i can fly this plane i will but i'm not going to do it any rickenbacker or anything like that <laughs> and so uh we stayed. We stayed in. Uh, I think we ended up staying in Vancouver that night. We didn't get to Calgary. <laughs> Got it. Well, you speak of the Buffalo Bills. That is, uh, they have had their travel uh, excursions and uh, journeys, and uh, certainly misadventures this year. They've had to go through a lot. They are the next opponent for your eleven and four Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I find this to be a fascinating game because I think early in the year, it was clear that the Bills were the better team. But the Bengals, thanks to their seven-game winning streak, have caught up to them. And now I think a lot of people feel, the home, first of all, the home field advantage on Monday night should be a big deal at Paycor Stadium. And secondly, I think the Bengals are playing better overall right now than Buffalo. I think that certainly their offense is more efficient. Uh, certainly, Burrow uh, is prone to fewer mistakes than Allen. I mean, nobody in the league can run like Allen. Nobody in the league uh, is is, uh, and I and, and I think you have to include Lamar and, and Patrick in this. I mean, I, sure. nobody's going to put their head down like Allen. And uh, you know, he's just a, a he's a classic dual threat. But uh, you know, I think Burrow has made fewer mistakes. 
I think defensively, it's interesting. Uh, they're pretty they're pretty similar. Veteran defenses uh, that don't don't put much pressure, don't make many mistakes. You know, uh, that's a, that's an interesting matchup too. But I think, uh, and if you go with the momentum and just the scheduling and what they've had to deal with, yeah, I think uh, I think I think you do. And the fact that they're they're at home, I mean, uh, that that's so, a big deal to me. But yeah, I think that the, the no city's going to be lit up literally on uh, Monday night. And they're going to be ready for a national audience to watch this team really try and prove that they are a Super Bowl contender going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think they've already proven that. I think they proved that. By, I think, uh, yeah, they, they have to football fans. Right. But I guess my right. point, Butch, is yeah. this is a national stage. This is a chance for the Bengals to show everybody who will be watching yeah. a, not only a primetime game, but arguably the most anticipated primetime game of the ESPN slate on yeah. Monday night this season. And yeah. I think it's a chance for the Bengals really to make a statement heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I wonder. Uh, yeah, I, all that is true, uh, Trags. And I, I wonder, too, are, are we are we watching, and you would know this better than I, but are, are we watching the best Bengals team of all time? Uh, I, I I wonder about that. Most I, talented, I would say, yes. I I. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. I think they're playing at a level uh, and beating teams that even the 81 and 88 Bengals did not beat. And yeah. even last year's team, great playoff run, no question about it. Right. When you take a look at the gauntlet of teams that the Bengals have gone through to get to this point on a seven game winning streak, I don't, there's no one after that Cleveland game on Halloween who thought they were going on a seven game winning streak. Right. No. That's correct. And, and, you know, the last two games they won, they never won. Even in their best years, they never won games like that on the road. I mean, down 17-1 and one, and then, you know, a hair away from a walk-off loss the next week, and they won both of them. And uh, that that I, I don't I don't ever, you know, was talking to Boomer a little bit about uh, about some stuff yesterday. Now, the 88 defense did come up with some, with some big uh, – with some did. turnovers, you know, particularly in the AFC Championship game uh, against these Bills, or those Bills, I guess. But I can't remember a stretch like this where I mean, Trags in the la I think in the last what three or four games, the last four games they've had a fourth quarter turnover. You know, uh, not just a turnover, but in the fourth quarter. And I think that has been a big part of why this team has been successful. They had the turnover uh, against Travis Kelsey that Jermaine Pratt forced and recovered, uh, you know, that really allowed the Bengals to hold on and, and beat Kansas City. They had, obviously, the turnover um, on Saturday against the Patriots. I, it was an incredible play by Von Bell to have the presence of mind to get stand up Ramondre Stevenson as he was backpedaling, punch the ball loose and have BJ Hill uh, recover the ball. I because I had visions, uh, Butch, and I'm sure you did too, of yeah. this team heading into Christmas with the taste of that loss in their mouth. It, it, I'm not saying that the season was over, obviously, because yeah. they had clinched the playoffs going into right. that game, but the mentality for a win versus a loss in that yeah. situation going into this particular game against the bills drastic. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, it's kind of compared to going into the bye with that uh, win over Carolina instead of uh, the loss against the Browns. You know, I think that was a Carolina game. I think was quietly kind of got them on the right track a little bit. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Trags. I think if uh, the uh, I think what's on display, I think, and I kind of uh, the first Monday night, the first Monday night game in Cincinnati history was uh, in '75. Was the Bills and the was the Bills and the Bengals, and Kenny Anderson outdueled O.J. Simpson. One of the great games of all time in Bengals history. Kenny Anderson went for 447. I still think that was his all-time high. OJ went for 197. He had like 160 at the half. They didn't give it to him. They didn't give it to him in the second half. And to me, but that was, I remember when I, I did a story on the 40th anniversary, and they talked about the impact on the city, about it just exactly what you're talking about, how it was uh, lit up. And uh, I kind of get that sense now in that, hey, this is the second time around for these guys. Uh, you know, they've been there before. The nation the nation kind of knows about them, I guess, because they were in the Super Bowl. But they're going to get, you know, you're right. They're going to get the full, they're going to get the full display. They're going to get the city. You know, they're going to get that crowd. I mean, uh, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great, you get those two great quarterbacks. It's going to be a great night. One more note about that game, uh, October 27th, I believe, 1975. It was five days after the Reds beat the Red Sox in Game 7 of the 75 World Series. That was a remarkable month and a remarkable week uh, for the Bengals. By the way, that was the same month also the Bengals beat uh, Kenny Stabler and the Oakland Raiders at the time. That was also another in the rainstorm at Riverfront. Yes, asked Dave Lapham about that game. That's one of his fondest games uh, that he recalls. Um also want to talk about Saturday and your concern level as we move on to other issues coming up in these final two weeks and heading into the playoffs. Evan McPherson, there's a lot of chatter about concern for or the confidence level in Evan McPherson heading into the playoffs. Understand this is a second year kicker who in his rookie season made all 14 of his postseason field goal attempts, all six of his extra points in the postseason last year. He was 20 for 20. I still think he's a clutch kicker. No question at all. I just think that the, the conditions on Saturday were uniquely difficult. Nick Folk missed a couple of kicks for the Patriots and that's his home stadium. What do yeah. you make of Evan McPherson in the last two weeks and heading into the playoffs? Yeah. Nick Folk missed and a folk hero missed, but it was a weird day at Foxborough. But yeah. I would say to me, I, nobody said anything about, you know, hey, uh, uh, he's had to adjust to a new operation. You know, not only did he get thrown in with a new long snapper, you know, uh, just as he's getting used to that, you know, he's got a new holder. Um, you know, so I think even though it seems like everything is fine, I mean, Adam Itis seems to be getting it back there okay. And, you know, Drew Drew Crispin, the new partner, has done a, done a good job. Well, it's still different. It's still a different thing. I mean, I I, I meant to do this, and now I'm gonna. You reminded me, Trags, and that's I, good. Uh, that's why I'm here, Butch. Probably eighty guys, eighty people have already probably already done this. But uh, you know, what's what's uh, what's max percentage since they made the switch at Holder? And I'm not saying you know I think he's you know, uh, and I'm not saying Crispin's doing a bad job holding. He's just different. It's just different. So I think. I think that's a factor. I don't think that's the whole thing. I think that, you know, but I mean, if you look at it, the last, you know, the last six weeks, what, he's missed three PATs and he's missed a couple field goals he doesn't usually miss. But I just think it's a, uh, I do put conditions at number one. I th it was kind of eye-opening. Darren Simmons thought that was the, about the third coldest game he'd ever been in, uh, uh, which was kind of surprising to me. There have been some other ones, but 
that and also uh, I think just think the fact you know it was also Drew's coldest game too, Holton. It was Cal's oldest game, coldest game snapping. So I just think you know all the way around. I think it's just something that they got to get used to. I, I uh, you're you not know, concerned I, about Evan Money Mac going into the playoffs? Uh, no, I'm not. No, I mean, uh, th- th- you know, I uh, I think they'll figure it out. I'm pro- maybe I'm just a little bit concerned about the operation, but I I think. Uh, you know, I think he'll, I think he'll figure it out. I mean, I, uh, you know, what you can only go by what you've seen before. You can only, and, and when it comes to the playoffs, <laughs> only Vinatieri has been better, right? So, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be fine. It is just though, I think there's uncertainty with Money Mac going into this postseason and in the end of this season that there wasn't, that wasn't there. Uh, last year at this time but again I think it's something he'll wind up figuring out and I think having Darren Simmons putting him in the right frame of mind is a big big deal and this is why you have Darren Simmons on the staff I think he's no uh, we both know Darren Simmons Butch he's no nonsense yeah you know it's uh and he's still I was um he uh he out Belichick Belichick you know the greatest one of the great special teams mind of his time, Bill Belichick, and you know this because you've asked him a lot of uh, long snapper questions and stuff. And I wouldn't um, say a lot, but I've asked a few over my days. Yeah, if you want to get him going, right, Trags, you got to ask him a special teams question. Yes, but you know, as as, as bad as the conditions were, you know, uh, uh, Folk had his problems. Uh, the New England punter dropped the dropped the snap. Um, Michael you know, Pilardi. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, easy for you to say. And uh, although I know he got mad at Crispin for not kicking it out of bounds. So, you not to interrupt you, but it's my podcast. I'm going to interrupt you here, Butch. Yep. That was a very minor detail. Well, that was a very significant detail that I don't think a lot of people paid attention to at the end of that game. Darren Simmons sure did because Marcus Jones was the returner who returned a kick 89 yards against the New York Jets back on November 20th. It was, for all intents and purposes, a walk-off win. Yeah. Uh, for the Patriots in the only touchdown scored in a at the time 3-3 game and Darren Simmons was like oh no not again don't let him return the kick fortunately Marcus Jones fumbled the ball yeah. out of bounds or muffed it out of bounds and the Bengals didn't have to worry about that right. but um, you know those are the little details that Darren Simmons yeah. doesn't let slide by yeah, they still they still outplayed the Bengals on special. I mean, they they still outplayed the Patriots on special teams. Anytime you do that, that's a good day. It is. All right, uh, let's move to the biggest injury news of the week, and that is obviously the loss of Lael Collins, starting right tackle, and Hakeem Adeniji coming in and filling his role and and filling his spot. First of all, in the game for the final three quarters that Adeniji played on Saturday, I thought he held his own against two of the better pass rushers in the AFC and in Matthew Judon and Josh Uche. What did did you think of Adeniji when he stepped in uh, to fill the void on Saturday? Yeah, particularly the, uh, that last touchdown pass to Erwin. I mean, uh, he was, I think he was on Uche and uh, you know, he, didn't give up ground, you know, that's supposedly his, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his weaknesses supposedly, you know, in a bull rush, not particularly strong athletic, but I thought he was, I thought he was, you know, I thought he looked really solid. You know, uh, I talked to two of the, two of the better tackles of the uh, 20th, 21st century for the Bengals, Willie Anderson and 
and wit. And, uh, you know, they both said that they thought that energy has looked solid because that wasn't the first time he's played. He has come in yes. as the extra guy. And there have been stretches where Lyell, you know, he missed a couple snaps here and there. And they both thought that, you know, that energy is, is a solid guy, you know, and he's also, he's also, you know, he's more of a tackle than a guard. So he's not out of position like he was last year. Like Willie said, he said, I think people are looking at him like the guy last year who struggled in the playoffs. Well, he's, he's a year older. He's playing his more natural position, and he's and he's you know he's been there before. He's had that experience, so right. I think both guys. I think both guys were pretty upbeat. I mean, both. You know, I know Willie in particular was really devastated by it, and both of them are. I no no Lyell because uh, Lyell played at LSU, and Willie has uh, re, you know, Willie and Lyell have a have one of those Twitter relationships where they talk about you know technique. And Willie was in Dallas for uh, for a training camp and got to know Lyell, so. They both know him, and they're both devastated because they feel like you know this guy was he, he was really starting to come on because he had really you know he had had a, he'd been injured early you know he never really had a training camp and it took him a while to get his legs in it but they thought he was really you know starting to come on and but I think they feel like that you know the 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 Bengals have something in the cupboard there. I do think, Butch, that putting him at the natural spot of tackle as opposed to the guard where there's more need for communication, I think, between the center and the tackle uh, on either side of you, uh, I think Adenogy is going to uh, excel in the tackle position. I think he's going to be much better there. Um, for the record, on the last play in which Aaron Donald got to Joe Burrow in, in, in the Super Bowl, that was not Adenogy's responsibility. It was on the other side, and he did not give up. That was Quentin Spain, obviously. Right. Everybody knows, I think by this time, Spain was supposed to uh, leverage him towards the inside with Hopkins, where Hopkins was giving help, and and Aaron Donald beat him on the outside shoulder and uh, yep. the rest. As we say, Butch, is history. I do think the Bengals will be okay. Um, I also want to give, again, a hat tip to Duke Tobin. I think the depth on this roster is one of the untold stories of excellence over the last two years and has been really, to me, Butch, the reason the Bengals have excelled because they have had players go down and they've had players step up, uh, proving that the situation isn't too big for them. And I know Zach talked about this on Tuesday. I mean, they lose their number one cover corner in Awuzier, haven't yep. lost the game since, right? Yep. Amazing. The greatest rookie receiver ever misses four games. They go three and one. You know, uh, DJ Reader, they're, they're the best knows. I don't care what anybody says. Pro Bowl votes be damned because that's right. just, that's, right. a, that's just, it's a circus. Uh, best knows tackle in the league. He misses six games. You know, they piece it together with a waiver wire guy and, 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 a, and a third round pick. I mean, you know, take a look at this rookie class. Uh, 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 you know, 2020, that might not have been a better draft in history, not just the Bengals, but anywhere. 2021, you know, you get Chase McPherson. That alone is an all-star class. But this one might be better than all three of them because, if you know, I think Dax Hill is going to be a hell of a player. I do, you too. Know, Cam Taylor Britton, second round, has certainly showed up. He's, he's had, you know, I, I, I want to just jump in here, Butch. Cam Taylor Britt, to me, has taken a lot of, heat he first of all he's a rookie he's learning he's going to have his rookie mistakes the thing that sticks out to me about cam taylor Britt is if he gets beat on one play the very next time that they try to pick on him he's there making the play himself and i noticed that on saturday against the patriots 
They completed uh, a long pass on him. Very next time they went down to uh, Cam Taylor Britt's way. Um, and I don't know if it was on Kendrick Bourne or not. I forget who it was on. Might have been Jacoby Myers. Uh, I think it was Jacoby Myers. There was Cam Taylor Britt breaking up the ball. And he did that not once, but twice in critical situations, including uh, the game ending play for the Bengals that, that sealed the victory. I mean, he's always on his guy. Even if there's a ball completed, he's right there. I mean, and that's not even and that's not even getting into what he gives you in on run defense. I mean, he comes up and he hits you. I right. mean, he's he's a terrific tackler, you know. But his coverage, I thought, you know, people have been moaning about his coverage, but geez, every time there's a ball, you know, other than the other than the other than the first game, the 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 famous uh the famous you'll never do that again. Gamble oh, uh, in the Cleveland game, yes. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland Donovan game. Peoples Jones, yes. Yeah, but well, since then, I mean, he's been he's been he's been velcroed to guys. So I mean, I just think so. Anyway, that's the second round pick, right? That's a hell of a pick, right? I think Zach, the third round pick, Zach Carter, I think has played well. He's played well in stretches, uh, and you know, Cordell Volson has been as Willie Anderson. So yeah. I haven't heard his name lately, right? So, so he's he's not his job. So I mean. Those are fr- those are four pretty good picks. You know, you throw them on top of the first three in twenty twenty, and Chase and McPherson in twenty one. That personnel department's having a hell of a decade. Uh, they a, are. Every time I see him, I, if I see Steve Radicevic or Trey Brown or Potsy, I say uh, or uh, Christian Sarkeesian or Andrew Johnson. Hey, you're having a hell of a decade. And they look <laughs> at me like you know, they look at me like I'm you know, I got nine eyes, but. Uh, you know. They love you, Butch, like we all love you, Butch, because they know what you're about. You're about appreciating the intricacies <laughs> of building a roster of the NFL of and the intricacies of the Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody knows the Bengals better than the man I'm speaking with. That is, I, I, I but Trags, I thank you very much. But I've been dying to ask you this. Okay, can you compare this to any of the uh, New England teams that you've covered? And uh, is is there anything that kind of so resemblances uh yeah the 0405 or the 0304 patriots and the reason i say that and those were you know powerhouse teams went to -to back-to-back super bowls won back-to-back super bowls it's because brady was terrific managing the offense he hadn't become tom brady um the way joe burrow's numbers are already outstanding brady's numbers weren't off the chart the Patriots in those two years, 03 and 04, were incredibly good at complementary football. I find this Bengals team just as good as those Patriot teams in terms of complementary football. And I will argue that there are more playmakers in the front seven of this Bengals defense, whereas the Patriots had Ty Law, they had Lawyer Malloy, they had um, Rodney Harrison. Seymour, too, right? And and Seymour. Yeah. Right. And Willie McGinnis and Teddy Bruschi. Yeah. And uh, in 04, they drafted Vince Wilfork. The way the two defenses are constructed are very similar to me. And I think this Bengals team reminds me of that team. I just don't know. And you hope as a Bengals fan that they can hold together many of the critical pieces, not only on offense. Everybody talks about Burrow and Jamar and to a degree T Higgins. Can you keep Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, yeah. DJ Reader long term? I, you know, DJ signed what for another two years? He's got, um, he's got, yeah, he's got another one left. I think DJ's got another one left. 
And then BJ Hill signed for another two years. Yeah. Um, Trey Hendrickson is signed. Um, yeah. Hubbard is signed. There are a lot of pieces on that defense to me that remind me of the way the Patriots defense were built. And then I, I would argue certainly the Bengals special teams. Evan McPherson's rookie year was as good as any I have ever seen in my 30 years of covering the NFL. I've never seen a, a year quite like that in the clutch in the postseason. You hit two walk-off field goals on the road um, to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, if the Bengals had a chance, he probably kicks the game-tying field goal at least in yeah. the Super Bowl. Right. Um, and I And I do think, you know, the punting game could be a little bit better. Punt return game and Trent Taylor, you've had somebody – all, you know, he had the two muffs, I guess, against New Orleans. But for the most part, Butch, uh, the special teams is very, very strong, uh, which, as you mentioned earlier, has always been a staple of the Belichick teams. But that would be my answer, the 03-04 Patriots. There you go, kids. There's a guy. He might, he, he, and he knows baseball and basketball just as well. So I uh, tip my hat to you, Trags, because that's a uh, – I uh, see, it's great that – it's great to uh, – that's the thing about having perspective. Yes. You know, I mean, a lot of people can say a lot of things, but if they haven't seen the other side or haven't seen maybe how it was. That's so. a, it's another reason I love covering this team, Butch, because the culture is so different. It's not right or wrong. I, You know, the way Belichick ran his teams and, you know, I had, I'm very glad I had the opportunity to run into Bill last week, cover the press conference on Thursday, ask him about Teddy Karras, and and it brought a smile to his face on a Thursday where he did not want to talk to reporters. He did not want to smile. That game. Two of his favorites, though. Two of his favorites, Teddy and Trags. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You're too kind. But to hear him talk about Teddy Karras yeah. and, and the culture that Ted learned there, the leadership. But to my general point, Belichick has a way of running his team. Zach Taylor deserves just as much credit, yeah. in my estimation, for building the culture he's built here. And this Bengal team, I'll tell you this, Butch, the one thing that stands out to me about it, they don't panic when the situation gets big. They may yeah. not win, but they don't usually make dumb, silly, stupid mistakes. Oh. And yeah. that is that is one thing that very much stands out to me about about Zach Taylor and and his coaching staff. Yeah, that's a reflection of the head coach, the, what they do at crutch time. And uh, you really got to uh, appreciate what Zach has done. I mean, I think uh, uh, it used to be, you know, if they called you a player's coach, the next thing they called you was fired. You didn't want to be, you know, it, it, it's a great thing early in your tenure to be a player's coach. But I think now more than ever, you got to be a player's coach. The, kid, the, the players have changed so much. Society's changed so much. Culture's changed so much. I think it is definitely you have to coach a football game a lot, a, a football team, a lot more differently than you did even five years right, ago. I agree with that. And I think Zach's done a terrific job. I mean, I think there is – he has – he's got great command of that room and great command of the organization. I mean, there is you, – you, you read the stuff coming out of other places. You know, you read the stuff. I mean, my God, it's like a uh, remember those little soap opera updates you used to get. That's yeah. that's that, that's what like pro football talk has become. It's like another world here. All my children over there, the young and the restless here. But Cincinnati, it's you know, it's uh, it's as the world turns. You know, it just keeps on going. You know, and 
that, you have to tip your hat to Zach Taylor. And let I me, think Joe Burrow, too. Let me tell you what that is. That is a head coach empowering their players to do the right thing. You have to have leaders in the locker room. And the Bengals, again, going back to Duke Tobin, um, they've done a good job of along with Zach's input of deciding who loves ball. That's Zach's term, right? Yeah. We got to find who loves ball, who's committed to playing football the right way. And I think they've done a great job of putting players like it. Ted Karras is the obvious example this year, but they oh. have so many players in that locker room who lead and are happy in their environment. DJ yeah. reader is a great example for yeah. me to yeah. me of a guy yeah. that, doesn't say a lot, but he's always got a smile on his face, always businesslike in his approach, and is yeah. obviously incredibly respected. And I think when you have a guy like that, even in the six games that he missed with injury, it has uh, a domino effect in a positive way on the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you, I mean, look at what they did in free agency to bring in guys like that. I mean, I thought, you know, not only did Mike spend the money. Mike Brown spend the money, but he also spent it on the right guys. Yes. And, you know, there's a lot of teams right now uh, that are bleeding because of mistakes in free agency. And I think you really have to, again, Duke, uh, uh, Steve Disafik, the head of pro scouting, Mike Potts, the director of college scouting, because these guys, when they look at the free agents, they also go back and they heavily look at their college stuff that they did. Go back to the position, you know, they go back to the area scouts too. So, um, you know, I think it's been a, uh, uh, you know, Hendrickson. I mean, these guys, um, you know, look at what Hendrickson brings to the room. Or look what, you know, Vaughn Bell. Yes. Has, has, you know, yes. I mean, I mean, yes. has there ever been a better day, a better 48 hours in franchise history when they signed DJ Reader and then Vaughn Bell? What a way to start. No, I, I think it would, you'd be hard pressed to find two better, more impactful free agent yeah. signings in a 24 hour period. I, that's a great point, Butch. When they signed those two, they yeah. really started to reform and revitalize if you will that that locker room yeah there's no question i mean and, hey two years ago a monday night in december yep kind of an obscure game against the steelers but i was going to try and write a little bit about that there's, there's so many things to write about this week tracks what do you do but you know the von bell hit on juju smith schuster can make an argument you know that that's one the uh uh, uh transformative that's butch that's the word i like it's formative and then i was it the next week that they lost the borough bowl Oh, no, no. That no, was, they yeah, beat was, Houston the next week, right? They beat Pittsburgh, then, then beat they, Houston, got blown out by Baltimore, if I recall. Yeah, the, I got my years crossed here. I'm thinking 2020, Barrow was, was already here and he was hurt. Yes. And uh, But that was, uh, but that was yeah, that was Bell. Transformative is a, is a great word. They beat them with Ryan Finley. Yes, they sure did. And in the, the iconic meme game of him smiling as he's going over the goal line. Yeah, there you go. That is that is one of the great uh, football. Forget Bengal memes. One of the great football memes of all time. We got to cut it off here, Butch, as my clock yeah. is running down. However, I want to tell everybody to follow Jeff Butch Hobson on Twitter at G E O F F H O B S O N C I N. I got it right, right off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not near the I'm not near the follow that you are, Crags. I don't. Uh... I rarely go on Twitter because I uh, I get nervous. But you're but you're a good follow on Twitter. I would say. Yeah, I appreciate you're that. All, well, and you're all over it. Bengals.com. How how about that? People, <laughs> that's fine. Twitter's okay. I mean, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Twitter. I'm a little bit. Uh, you got to be a little bit. Uh, 
Uh, you got to be a little bit curious. Neurotic. About <laughs> it's a, it scares me. Twitter is a neurotic place, Butch. Take it from somebody who has his own neuroses. <laughs> Let's bring it back and just say Twitter to me is scarier than an emergency landing. Uh, there, That is the bookend. That is the perfect bookend on this Jungle Roar podcast. You are the best, Butch. Thanks so best, much Drags. for joining me. You're the and, best, Drags. Thanks for, uh, I look forward to seeing you later today. Yep. And it is, I'm looking forward to, as we both are covering what should be a fantastic Monday night showdown between the 12 and three Buffalo Bills and the 11 and four Cincinnati Bengals. If the Ravens lose to Pittsburgh Sunday night, the Bengals will be playing for their second consecutive AFC North division title. And you know, this nugget I'm about to throw out there, Butch. The Bengals have never won back-to-back division titles in their 54 years of existence. Never who, who never won the back-to-back division titles. They've obviously made the playoffs in consecutive years. They have never won back-to-back division titles. I wonder who's the first guy who said never say never. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think uh Monday night could be a magical night at Paycor yeah. State. Uh, he is Butch Hobson. Jeff Butch Hobson of Bengals.com. My name is Mike Petralia Trags. want to thank you for subscribing and clicking on the link below on the Jungle Roar podcast YouTube page. want to hear all of your comments, good, bad, and different. Thanks for downloading and listening to this podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Again, for Jeff Hobson, I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching and listening.